Welcome to WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is the Other Page Radio, and we are happy to be here today. This is Haywood Fennell, your host, and I'm really, really happy to be here. I want to just wish a belated Merry Christmas and such to all the people that celebrate those holidays and to the Kwanzaa people, y'all just getting started. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, people, we just trying to go out the right way. You know, we had a long year, a strong year, but we hope that 2024 is better for everybody. How about that? We want you to have good health, uh, maybe a little wealth, not a lot of wealth, because sometimes we lose focus and we trying to get the money in not get that spiritual connection that we need with all the things that's going on in the world. You know, it's such a depressing time, but 24 will be a refreshing time. I do believe it will be just like that. For all of you out there who are into the New Year's resolution, just take it one step at a time, folks. Don't get uh, overindulgent with those Promises that you make to yourself and you uh, break them immediately after you make them. Me, myself, I, I got away from those New Year's resolutions. You know, I just try to take it a day at a time, you know, and just be grateful that I woke up and I'm involved in the new day. I was just, just so really, really grateful to be able to come here today and say some things and talk about some things and hope that, you know, it impacts you. But today I went downtown to Boston City Hall to try to take care of some business down there. And uh, people need to pay attention. When you go downtown to these city offices or state offices and you're going down there to get a situation straightened out. A lot of times the people that work there uh, think that they're doing you a favor, not realizing that that's their job. Then that includes being pleasant with a person and being as flexible as possible and not the kind of person that will make you feel as though you've been disrespected when you go to these places downtown where they're supposed to take care of you. And uh, so the other part of that is to not to feed into a situation that you're in control of as long as you don't feed into the situation that's presented to you especially if it's not making you feel good. I didn't feel good when I went down there today and uh, presented myself to try to get some service, and everybody was telling me about the rules and regulations. Sometimes rules and regulations don't always have to be inflexible, meaning that you can't bend a little bit to take care of the citizen that's coming down there for help. First of all, you got to go downtown. And when you go downtown, 
You're going to be in traffic if you have a car, and you're going to be in pedestrian traffic if you don't have a car, meaning you got to walk or meaning you got to ride to try to find a parking space, which is very hard to do, and you become a victim of the parking lots down there and the amount of money that you got to spend just to be downtown. This is the other page radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. This is WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. Talking to you about what's going on in the city as we move forward in the city with about four days left before we say Happy New Year, everybody. You know, so I just want to continue talking about City Hall and how depressing it can be. When you go down to City Hall, it's dark in there. You know, and the people are not of the mindset of greeting you. They know you don't work there. They don't you just walk by you. None of them say, except for the person that's at the greeting counter, oh, hi, how are you? How are you today? How can I help you? Are you okay? I mean, that's the kind of decorum that Mayor Wu needs to have down there in City Hall in that dark place and escalators have been out of service for over a year. You have to walk everywhere. Those escalators are not working. The elevators are in repair. What is wrong with City Hall that can't be fixed to accommodate the people that come down there? Don't we have people that get elected every two years to be in charge, but yet they are not in charge? They voted to cut. Wait a minute. They voted to cut the budget for the veterans, but the mayor restored the budget for the veterans because veterans are an overlooked and underused population, not just in the city of Boston, but nationally, but more so in the city of Boston. And I've gone to some places in the Commonwealth, and I spoke a couple of weeks ago, maybe not that long, to the new Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, Secretary John Santiago, who's also a medical doctor, formerly an elected official from the South End. He's in charge now. He told me that he wants to do some things. One of the things that I would appreciate him doing is to looking into the situation in Roxbury where we need a comprehensive veterans multipurpose center. Nobody is talking about building something for veterans to come to for services and care in their community, meaning Roxbury. Now we have Whittier Street Community Health Center who comes here 
to the program and do some outreach, setting up something for veterans over there on Tremont Street. And we thank you for that. But look, veterans deserve to be served by veterans, and we need to have a center here in Roxbury to accommodate the veterans no matter what their situation is. Mental, physical, drama, trauma. We need that in our community. And when you have people that come and ask for you to vote for them, and you vote for them, I'm talking about all the elected officials now. I mean, I'm talking about um, Ayanna Presley. I'm talking about uh, Warren. I'm talking about Markey. I'm talking about uh, Miranda. I'm talking about all the elected officials, including those in City Hall, Boston City Council, who ask us, who ask us for our vote. And then when they get elected, the promises that they made doesn't keep kept. They're not keeping their word to the veterans. And we need to hold them accountable. And I don't care where I am, when I see them, I'm going to say you did not keep your word. Veterans served and should now be served. It shouldn't even be a matter of me sitting here talking about what you're not doing. I would rather be talking about what you are doing. Here it is in the newspapers and on the media, the radio, and the television. You hear all this about war and money and asking for billions of dollars, not millions of dollars, billions of dollars to give countries so that they continue to kill each other. But you can't open your mouth and say something about billions of dollars for veterans so that we can have services that we need and places for us to live. This is the United States of America. I raised my hand to say that I would serve this country, and a lot of other people served this country and lost their lives. Some didn't lose their lives but lost their minds. And they can't have someone that's elected to advocate for them to have decent housing for themselves and their families and, and treatment. And they're walking around like we don't matter anymore. We do matter. And I'm going to keep telling you that. Uh, so much is happening in the world today, and uh, people are talking about this and talking about that. And There was a time one of the candidates that's, that's running for the Republican nomination called Veterans of Suckers. He called Veterans of Suckers. It's recorded. It's not something that's made up like he makes up things. He didn't serve in the United States military in any capacity, and I resent highly that he would say that veterans are suckers. Even though there's a lot of people 
that think that he is suitable to be president. But when you start talking about veterans in a negative way, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem because veterans serve the country. They should be serving. I should not be talking about homeless veterans. I should not be talking about money for veterans. That should be not a problem. Joe Biden, you know, I want you, even though you're not a veteran, you're not a veteran. It takes a lot when you raise your hand and take an oath and say that you will go to another country and do something to them people who may not have ever done anything to you. But we ordered to go in there and in their countries and do whatever it is that we ordered to do. We follow orders. That's what veterans do. They follow orders. And I'm saying that if we're to expect us to follow orders, then give the right orders. Do something for the veteran before he comes out, especially if he's been in a situation where there is a lot of drama and trauma. Don't send him home and don't follow up on how he or she is doing as a direct result of their being involved in situations where there is trauma and drama. I remember as a kid growing up, and I want to take you there. They had what they called the selective service system. Now, the selective service system required you at a certain age, I believe it was 18, to register for the draft so that when they needed a certain level of people and they didn't have it, they would go in and look at their list and then they would call you in. And you would raise your hand for a two-year stint in the United States Army. That's the fighting branch of the United States military along with the United States Marine Corps. The only way that you could get out of that is that you had to say that you was and prove that you was what was called a conscientious objector, that you didn't believe in war. But even then, they would take you out of combat and put you in the medical corps. And a lot of you died riding around in them wagons with that Red Cross on it trying to save lives. You got to understand that being in the United States military is a big thing. People would come home from those two-year stints when they had the um, selective service system. Their eyes had lost the, the glow and became dim with memories of things that they did not want to memorize. A lot of them started drinking alcohol. A lot of them went to get diagnosed for some kind of treatment, and they got the label as being shell-shocked. You know, shell-shocked is the shocks from the explosions of the big guns that was being fired during the wartime or for some experience in the military, shell shock. A lot of them became alcoholics. A lot of them were disabled. 
And then they went on, you know, without really looking at what was happening with our veterans. And then up jumped what is called PTSD, post-stress. The same circumstances, the same variables were involved in this new diagnosis called PTSD. PTSD. Whoa. That's a big one, folks. That's a real big one. And and then, you know, along with the PTSD, we found uh, there was a lot of substance abuse. People using drugs over there, that opium. It was it was free almost. And they used that, that drug to try to not be afraid to accommodate what they were doing, their behaviors and stuff, you know, and a lot of guys got caught. A lot of guys got caught in using substances and they were uh given less than honorable discharges from the United States military. They did that for a long time, you know, just when they found out about it, just kick you out, didn't give you no benefits. That's how they used to, that's how they used to do them. And then, and then, National Psychiatrist Association or Fraternity, whatever they call themselves, they too were looking at the substance abuse situation and they said that substance abuse was a disease. Treatable. Treatable. That's what they said. They were able to convince the United States government who was in charge of the United States military that substance abuse was a disease that could be treated. And now we have a lot of people that's trying to get their discharges upgraded so that they can get their benefits, so that they can get their benefits and treatment for their illnesses as a part of the government saying, okay, all right, we'll change that. We'll accept what the psychiatrist says, that substance abuse is a disease that can be treated. In 1997, I went into the VA hospital to the detox unit to try to turn my life around. And with the help of a lot of people, with the help of the Lord, with my determination, I've been drug-free since 1997. And I'm not saying that to look down on anybody. I'm not saying that to say that I'm better than a person that might be caught up still. I'm just saying that I have a better plan. That's a living hell. And a lot of it is a direct result of the military experiences and what went along with those experiences that you served in the military, and you didn't have to be in combat. 
the anxieties of going into combat, the anxieties of feeling that you don't belong, the anxieties of how racism touches you in the military. We haven't reached that point yet of wanting to say, okay, you're right, we're wrong. Let's work together to get strong and get people to feel as though they belong. This is the Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell, and we're happy to be here today with you. You know, I, I, I was just sitting here thinking, you know, about the situation for our veterans in this city. When you look at all the housing that's being built and the people that are buying the houses, very few very, very few are veterans. I know veterans get the GI Bill, but they don't get too much more than that. I say, let's look at the veterans. Let's create housing for veterans. Anytime that you can take a property that was used as the bus barn for the MBTA right there on Washington Street, a block or so from the General Edward O. Gordine African-American Veterans Memorial Park where the statue stands of this man, this General Edward O. Gordine. And right up the street, you go past the Dunkin' Donuts and you come into this big, building, and then there's some buildings behind that, tall buildings, buildings along Washington Street, housing, but nothing has been laid out for veterans. They could have taken a whole building to begin to create a national model for housing for our veterans. The president that's sitting now of the Boston City Council, Ed Flynn, is a retired United States Naval veteran. Did you hear what I just said? The re- president of the Boston City Council Ed Flynn, the son of the former mayor of Boston, Raymond Flynn, is a retired naval veteran. And folks, if you don't mind, I would appreciate it if you would pick up your phone and call City Hall right now. Right now. Because we've been ignored too long when we're simply asking for what we need. Remember what I said earlier about the selective service system, the one that had the so-called draft boards that would call you from whatever you were doing, and if you didn't have a, a substantial enough reason, you got a uniform. After you raised your hand and said that you would go, They put something else in your hand called a weapon. 
whether you used that weapon or not, they gave it to you. You went downstairs in the armory, and they assigned you a weapon. What are you assigning yourselves today is my question to help the veterans. Here you have a community development corporation that's working all over Roxbury, acquiring houses and property, and don't have anything for veterans. They don't have us on the list as meaning anything. And you see these elected officials that's running around here acting like they don't know what time it is. But they want you to vote for them when the time comes for election. And then they say, oh, hey, well, don't worry about him. He don't know what he's talking about. I've been doing this work for veterans for the last 30 years, if not more, because I am a veteran. I serve my country. And I'm going to continue to serve veterans. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. Now, if you want to hear this program, again, tell your friends about it because we're going to be on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston at 8 o'clock on Thursday. Or go online, check out BNNs, and see about the podcast because there's podcasts involved here as well. And I love the truth. I'm not going to blow people up or blow them out, but I'm going to call you out if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. If you're running around here thinking that you're just going to tell us one thing and do something else and don't be responsible for what you say, you can't do that. That's not how that's done. You better go back and read some of them books about people like Joe Moakley and uh, Fitzpatrick. You know, those people that kept their words for the veteran and made sure that we have what we needed. I said, make sure that we have what we needed. We need everything now. And what do we get? Nothing. You get some people that'll jump up. They know who they are. And talking about doing some stuff with veterans, and they don't have a history of doing anything for veterans that they can brag about. They had a whole regime of people running around talking about this and talking about that and had some housing but because of their political uh, situation and manipulation, all of that stuff went out the window. And we, as veterans, were left with nothing. I want to thank the Veterans and Friends Committee for the, John, uh, for the Edward O. Gordine Statue Project for their tenacity. Like that word, tenacity, that's a UMass Boston word. <laughs> that's where I graduated from, UMass Boston, right? Uh, you know, it's it's about keeping it going. It's, a, it's about not giving up on our veterans or their families. 
I mean, you know, like, I don't have to tell you. Anytime somebody calls a veteran or those that have served a sucker and turn around and say they want to be the commander-in-chief, what does that tell you? That's my question. What does that tell you that you would go around, stand around, run around, whatever it is that you do around, and have the fighting men or the women of the United States military called suckers? I don't, I don't, I don't think it's shameful. That's a, that's a too light term. But I know it's not right. I know that those gold star mothers that they be talking about and honoring out there at UMass Boston, a lot of certainly don't appreciate their loved ones who died for this country to be called less than honorable names by somebody that didn't serve in the United States military. Didn't serve. I said didn't serve. And got the unmitigated gall to say something about a veteran. And for the veterans that are supporting the non-veteran, I think you need to look at how veterans are treated outside your little immediate circle. And remember, when you were over there in that other country, if you went to that other country, because there was a lot of manipulation going on with those assignments where you could call certain people up, certain elected officials, and even they hadn't gone in, but they was able to call somebody and get somebody off a list to go someplace and put them on the list to go no place. You better stop playing with veterans and start doing the right thing with them. We're going to start running veterans for elected office. They're more credible. They serve. I serve. Oh, yeah, I ran for office. I ran for city council. I run it, I run for it again if I thought it would help us. We got to help ourselves. We got to stop letting those people fake us out like they're doing something and we know they're not doing anything and have no intentions of doing anything. How could you live in a neighborhood and all you're doing is putting up houses and we don't have any, any entrepreneurial lookouts? We don't have any shopping malls in our community. We don't have any workforce development in our community. And that the tallest building in Roxbury, the tallest building right now in Roxbury, Suffolk County Jailhouse. The Suffolk County Jailhouse. I'm not talking about over there in a medical center. Suffolk County Jailhouse. They don't never stop. Got veterans over there. They used to have veterans court. Look, they used to have veterans court. What happened to the veterans court? Why didn't anybody, why didn't Elizabeth warn them? She's on the veterans committee too, by the way. 
It's on one of them. I don't know where Maki is. But I know somebody about Satona or something. Somebody better start telling us something about this veteran situation and how we're going to get off the table as in lunch and be at the table as in decision-making. This is the other page, radio program, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. Let your fans know that we're talking today about veterans. Put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Back again with the other page radio. You know, we're talking about veterans today. We, I was going to have a segment of our program for talking about improving the services and making people aware of veterans and how we need to take care of them. You know, it's not an easy thing to go someplace and talking to a friend and both of y'all in the same situation, in a combat situation, and the friend doesn't show up for a couple of days and you get the word that your friend is at the end. It's gone. Body shipped over there to Okinawa to, to be uh, embalmed, put on a plane with his dog, dog tags if you got them, and sent to Delaware to be identified my family members, and then to have a military funeral where they bring in a firing squad and fire so many rounds over you before they put you in the grave and somebody folds the flag and presents it to your family. That's, that's something that you really need to think about. Our flag is not a rag. It was not supposed to be running around there in Washington, D.C., January the 6th, and drug all around. A flag is not a rag. No, we can't, we can't do that. Can't burn up the flag. It's not a rag. It's a tag of our valor, of our honor, of our sacrifice of our need to be respectful for democracy. I mean, that's what it means to me. I don't know what it means to them people. It's going around now. A lot of them going to prison now. But look, let me change the subject here. So I don't want you to start thinking that veterans don't do anything good. But, but you know, let me tell you. See, veterans are an overlooked an underused community resource. I'm going to repeat that. Veterans are an overlooked and underused community resource. In 1997, Triad Veterans League 
began the development of what has become the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company, a community-based theater program that does theater, teaches theater, does cultural enrichment programming around American history, particularly around the time of the so-called Harlem Renaissance. To get it right now, I want you to get this right. We are over 50% veteran volunteers who bring their experiences and some professionalism and a desire to build this program to what it has become today. It's an award-winning program from theater, thematic curriculum. And by the way, if you want to see some of what we do, our website, T-H-E-O-M-T-C dot com. Our website again, T-H-E-O-M-T-C dot com. Then we have a YouTube page called the Oscar Michaud Family Theater Program. YouTube page again. The Oscar Michaud Family Theater Program to see some of our footage, some of our movie trailers, some information about the importance of African Americans' history that is really not a mystery. They just kind of underreport. And so as a veterans organization, I have been able to put it together, and we're looking forward to you coming to see this production called the Marion Anderson and Friends Project on February the 17th and 18th at matinee performances that start at 4 p.m., but the doors at the Regent Theater where it is being held, located at 7 Medford Street in Arlington, will open its doors at 315. The music genre is gospel, spiritual, opera, because Marion Anderson was a classical singer who not only sang classical music, she sang spirituals, what was then called freedom songs. Oh, it's going to be a good show. We did it at the Strand Theater in late October. We're going to take the whole month of February 2024 and do programs around saluting this woman, this iconic leader, this brave woman out of Philadelphia, born February the 27th, 1897. who refused to kneel 
to segregation that was going on across our nation. Historic performance about Marion Anderson with stages, S-T-A-J-E-Z, doing the choreography, which will be liturgical dance. They good. You'll thank us, but you don't have to, either February the 17th or the 18th for a memorial, I mean a matinee performance that memorializes this woman, this lady, this brave lady, Marion Anderson, and friends, and boy, what's singing. Oh, my goodness gracious, are you going to be in for a treat when you hear these people sing? Darlene Wynn, Leon Bill, Joe Banks, Monica Anderson Spencer, Wanda Perry Joseph. That's the singing. That's the singing group. Spoken word. Acting, stellar performance. Can't miss it. It's worthwhile. We're going to be auditioning soon. The Oscar Michonne Family Theater Program Company welcomes those seeking to learn about theater and performance. We offer classes that bring out your talent and improve it. Want to get involved in theater production, acting, or singing? Then you can visit our website at theomtc.com. That's T-H-E-O-M-T-C dot com. You know, I was just listening to that voice, the wonderful voice, uh, articulating the uh, merits of getting involved in theater. Well, let me tell you something. This year... One young man that came to us, talented, beyond, Alex Newell. Alex Newell is on Broadway. It's been there a little while. But we had the honor of working with him, and this year he won a Tony Award. Yes, he did. Alex Newell, he was with us. Also, I want to... Thank the family of Sky Forbes who brought their daughter to our company when she was 10 years old. And she is in her third year as a four-year scholar student at Emerson College. And she has bloomed, blossomed, and plans to be in theater Professionally, Shaquan Reed, Joe Gonzalez, our dancers from years ago, they have went on to do wonderful stuff in choreography. Hip-hop, yep, that too. But I would be remiss if I didn't mention S-T-A-J-E-Z. S-T-A-J-E-Z is dance like you've never seen before. Founded by my goddaughter, Sophia Hayes Caldwell. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness gracious, man. And they're going to be they're gonna be a part of the performance on February the 17th and 18th. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna open up with uh, 
Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows the trouble I see. Nobody knows but Jesus. And then they're going to start moving. And they're going to start these graceful moves that's going to lift you up and set you back down. And you're going to say, oh, my goodness. And then you have Irene O'Bannon and Minister Deborah Mosley, lead characters in the production. You've never seen anything like them two ladies. I mean, they are out of sight. The cast is a mm, young lady by the name of Beautiful Place, Joel Neal Hurston. The Banks brothers, Joseph and Yancey, are there. They'll be there. Leon Bill, international song stylist, producer and arranger, is singing. Mm-mm-mm. Hannah Brooks, new to the stage but true to it. Did I mention Wanda Perry Joseph? Playing a role and a singing role. As Mary McLeod Mathune, the lady who started Mathune Cookman's College in Florida, with almost no money, but a determination that spread to others. So you got to understand that it was a time when this country called America was changing directions. People didn't want to be segregated. They didn't want their skin to be used as a way of saying that you couldn't or you could do some things. That's that's one of the problems I have with people that write these proposals. They always say, not always, but a lot of times they say that, you know, we disadvantaged and you know, we poverty this and all of that. You know, a lot of negative things make people feel sorry for us. But we're not those attributes that they use to describe us. Remember what I said before? I said that the Oscar Michelle Family Theater program has veterans involved with that. To come in and share their some of their military skills and some of their professional skills to help us build this company, this theater company. They don't see outcasts as disadvantaged. They just see outcasts as people that deserve the opportunity to do what they know they can do. That's what we're about. That's why we've been around for 25, 27 years, straight. 27 years we've been doing things such as the Harlem Renaissance we visited with a gospel flavor. We did that last year, and we're going to do it again this year, I mean in 24. We are building, we are building a theater company that is needed in our community. 
We have shown so many the importance of knowing your history, which is not a mystery. They are always talking about slavery. What about bravery? What about the Harlem Renaissance? They closed the door in our faces. They didn't want us on the stage. Now look what determination and tenacity and unity can bring about. 18 million they made last weekend. It's reported with the color purple. Beyonce running around here with her Renaissance movie. The Oscar Michelle Family Theater program here in Boston, we're turning to the next level now. We're teaching theater. We teach anybody that wants to be involved. If you want to be involved in the technical aspect, we have a program for you. We want to give you the opportunity to do the things that you know you could do. We are encouraging you to look out for our audition notices that will be online shortly. But in the meantime, February the 17th and 18th at the Regent Theater at 7 Medford Street in Arlington, Mass. It's right across the bridge from Boston. Coming through Mass Ave. Keep straight out Mass Ave. That means you got to go through Cambridge if you're living in Boston. You let them people in Cambridge know that you're coming through their town to come to the Regent Theater to see the Marion Anderson and Friends Project directed by Monica Anderson Spencer, who also plays the role of Marion Anderson. And boy, does she play it. We are in the business of producing plays that deal with our history. We educate and we empower because you need to know where you stand in America based on the contributions of your ancestors. We are the only people that came to America that were free. Other people were in jails and debtors' prisons or being persecuted because of their religion and all of that. But we were free and captured and put into a time frame called the African Diaspora. And we teach this. We teach this now. Me and some of them veterans, we teach our history because we want our cast to know that our history is not a mystery and you need to start learning and identifying with it. We are noble people. We don't hate. We just don't wait. Imagine if we didn't do what Frederick Douglass did. You know Frederick Douglass, right? He was a man that was forbidden to learn how to read, and if they found out that he knew how to read, 
as a captured person, like, again, I say we were never slaves, they would hurt him real bad. But he learned how to read and to write. Boy, oh boy. He learned how to read and write, and he wrote his own past of freedom. You know, like, he wrote a past and got off that plantation heading off. And he might have got stopped. I don't know if he got stopped, but he had that pass. Probably got stopped. Where you going, boy? He just, he don't say nothing. He just get on the pass. They know, they know, they know no black man wouldn't take no chance of losing his life or get a hand cut off, learn how to write. Go ahead on. They probably couldn't even read it themselves. They just sort of, you know, scrambling on it. The writing, they ain't know nothing. And he got off. Right in that past. He wrote his own past to freedom. Today we have a big problem with literacy in the schools. And my work, when I was working on my degree, I did some work down there in the jailhouse. And I talked to a lot of those brothers down there. They couldn't read. Few could write legible. And that's what we got to intervene and take time to teach. I had to say some words for some of the veterans out there that got them good jobs and big jobs and big positions and everything, you know, they don't they don't mingle too tough with the other veterans like myself. But they need to. They need to. We need them to. Because they got the ed- education and they 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 know the way to go to get certain things done and we need them. We try to beat you up by telling you the truth. But we need you. Our kids can't read. If they can't read, they can't compete. If they can't compete, they're going to do what? They're going to change their behavior and they're going to cheat. And they got to pay the price for that. A lot of times the price is a quarry. Sad story. You can't do nothing if you got one of them. That stays with you forever because if they take your fingerprints, that's it. They can check it out. They can say, yeah, you got arrested, blah, 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 four, blah, blah, blah. But if you got an education, you got an option. You can stand in demand because you got an education. I'm looking at all these people that don't live in our neighborhood, that don't look like us, but making money in our neighborhood and we just stand around watching them drive out when they finish for the day. If we had some classes at night in some of these churches that are closed at night to teach our young people some skills to help them with the, to get the grades that they need and help them understand why they need those grades, we might be able to do something for ourselves. This is the other page, radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. 
We're at WBCLP 102.9 FM Boston. I want to thank again the Veterans and Friends Committee for their work in getting the statue that was unveiled in August just passed. I started to say August last year, but we got four more days. But they worked hard and everything, but the city of Boston is sitting on $50,000 that belongs to that committee. And so they're trying to get that money back that was donated uh, through an effort by uh, State Representative China Tyler. You know, they got $50,000. He was able to get $50,000 for the statute project. And the money went to the city. And we've been talking to the city. Of course, I resigned as a chairperson, but I'm just a member now. We're trying to get that money back, folks, so that we can have a curriculum developed so that the statue will become more known and the history of the African-American military experience and contributions will also become known. And we have a petition drive going around now to try to get signatures to take the Betterman's Art Exhibit and make that uh, into commemorative service stamp series. So we, we're grateful for the work that we in the community are doing as veterans. As veterans, Triad Veterans League, folks, remember that. And veterans, don't give up, don't give in, stand up, demand. Again, nobody's coming to save us. We've got to save ourselves. Thank you so much for a beautiful, beautiful program today. And Happy New Year, Healthy New Year, and God bless you. <laughs>